0: This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our host and our guest is one thing, it's you it's you the people that make this country move the trucking industry enough with the introductions let's get this load on the road road.
1: we are your host thomas cameron and ryan let's get rolling
0: what's up everybody it's cam with get a load of this trucking podcast i am your host and founder of VTI, or Valley Trucking Insurance, and VTI will uh, sound familiar to something here in a sec when we make the introduction. So uh, with me today, I've got special co-host Thomas Comstock. Thomas is an insurance agent, actually with me over at Valley Trucking Insurance, specializes in trucking and transportation. It's funny, Thomas, I was just on a podcast down when I was in Vegas this last weekend, and one of the guys that listens to our podcast was talking, and he goes, for the longest time, I thought Ryan and Thomas were producers. You said producer, producer. Mm. They're like, do they produce the show? Do they do this? So I'm glad <laughs> it got brought to my attention to clarify like what we actually do. is like, no, we sell insurance. Yeah. We're insurance sales as far as the business goes. But Thomas, let's uh, um, introduce yourself. And then also, I'd love to hear what you're hearing in the marketplace, something that's uh, maybe you keep hearing from different trucking clients or different regions mm. or arenas or something that stood out to you. Um. All right,
1: so yeah, Thomas here. Uh, good to see uh, you, Matt, and we'll get to you in a minute. But uh, yeah, so I've been with Cameron now at VTI for what, six years, something like that, and uh, been involved with the trucking as a specialty for the last three or four Definitely have uh, seen a, a crazy amount of increase of claims and issues with traffic conditions. Things were really nice during COVID, but then as traffic started picking back up, I started getting some more complaints about people being on the road and driving crazy. Um, but you know, besides fuel prices right now, it's new drivers. It's, it's making sure that they can find qualified, reliable, and safe drivers. And that's uh, been the biggest crux for almost all of my accounts that have gone bad recently is because they can't find or the ones they do have cause incidents. So, um, yeah, that's probably the the biggest thing.
0: No, I like that. And I think gas is a huge one. In fact, I've had a couple recent phone calls, unfortunately, with um, great clients, too, and awesome business owners. And they are making some tough decisions to go lease back on for folks that have a lot more Competitive rates that they've negotiated for gas cards, right? For fuel prices, because once mm-hmm. you're dealing on a business, those the the cents add up for big percentages on the overall grand scale of things. And so, um, and you had mentioned the increase in traffic and stuff, which I think is a perfect segue uh, mm-hmm. for my man Matt, which is with VTTI, not to be confused with VTI. So we kind of got a chuckle about that. I had the distinct pleasure of uh, meeting Matt and actually listening to Matt um, present a couple months ago down in Boise, Idaho, for the Great West Casualty Leadership Symposium, which was a phenomenal event. And especially in the last couple of years with COVID, a much welcomed in-person event. Um, and I had a blast. Um, Matt kind of had opened my eyes to BTTI. I had I had I had seen some stuff that you guys put out. I didn't understand the level of in-depth knowledge you guys had and the different projects that you guys took position on in the transportation industry, not just trucking, but uh, commute and the freeway, the infrastructure and everything all around. Um, Matt, how are you, buddy?
2: I'm doing great, Cam. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Yeah, we're excited to have you on. And I I think um, a good segue for you is let's give a little bit of an introduction to VTTI um, or Virginia Tech Transportation Institute is what it stands for. And what you guys do, maybe a 30,000 foot view, and then we can dive into what led you to work and, and kind of be passionate about this project and the projects you take part in.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, the Virginia Tech Transportation Institute um, is part of the University of Virginia Tech. Um, we are located actually off campus, and we research pretty much anything and everything having to do with with tires hitting the road. So, we have a, a group of researchers here who are dedicated to, to infrastructure. They study all different types of pavements and how those different types of pavements. Um, can impact the friction of the tires on the road. We have other people that look at roadway lighting. We have a a track here at Virginia Tech where we can actually replicate 95% of all the roadway lighting that we find across the world. So we do a ton of research on that. Uh, We research anything and everything. So we we look at vulnerable road users, we look at bicyclists, we look at pedestrians, automated driving systems and cars and trucks. Um, and the division that I'm in is focused on people who have to drive as part of their job, whether that is a truck driver, a bus driver, or it could be a pickup truck or van driver that has to go out to different work sites um, across the country to to perform their job. Uh, so we do we do pretty much anything and everything. Uh, we do about 50 million dollars of research every year. About half of that comes from state and federal, uh, contracts. But the other 50% actually is coming from industry, whether that are that is a motor carrier that's looking for a little bit of assistance, whether that's for a um, vehicle manufacturer that kind of wants a second set of eyes to look at their vehicle or their products to make sure it's actually working as expected, um, or it's working with insurance companies or associations to, to really kind of disseminate all of our research findings.
0: That's awesome. Now, one of the questions that I like to ask because we're in and around trucking is if you had a CB handle, uh, what would your handle name be if you were on the road or if if you've ever been asked that before?
2: (laughs) I haven't, but it would kind of have to be like safety guy or something.
0: Yeah yeah safety guy it is i think what's run with that you know and that was one of the big topics i think in boise when you spoke was a lot to do with um crash uh, crashes crash prevention um yeah. some of the leading causes or, or or pre-indicators of what's causing that at least uh, hypothetically right based on the research and what you guys are looking at thomas had mentioned increase in traffic right post-COVID and it seems like um, everybody found a bucket of money and doesn't need to work anymore so everyone just spends their time driving around paying for the five six dollars per gallon fuel causing issues on the road but let's talk about that for a sec because that was one of the things that stood out to me and actually before we do that one of the um, I think it was the quote that you had used don't learn safety by accident, I thought was awesome. Like that was one of the <laughs> things that stood out to me in the presentation, which I thought was cool because it all goes hand in hand for um, these these fleets and the truck companies and our target audience is truck drivers and fleet owners, safety managers, and industry folks. But um, yeah, let's talk about the traffic and kind of leading indicators that we think are that are causing a lot of the crashes.
2: Yeah, Going back to that quote, that's my favorite quote, I think safety related. It actually comes from the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. So, you know, really not transportation focused at all where it originated from, but it's so applicable to what we do on an everyday basis. When we go and, and talk to fleets, almost never am I brought into a fleet before that crash actually happens. It's almost all the time something terrible has happened, a major crash or an incident has occurred. And that's when we're coming in and that's not how we want. That's not the best way to approach vehicle safety or workplace safety at all. It's really to to try to learn the best practices to be safe before something like that happens. So, yeah, you know, traffic, you know, traffic's up. Um, We have data. We work with some partners that collect a lot of telematics data. on the roads in the United States. And what we found was, you know, when COVID happened, everyone was off the road. People were working from home, except for the trucks, right? You know, they had all this demand to deliver all the freight, you know, to, to still stock the shelves, you know, whether that's medical stuff, electronic stuff, because everyone's buying everything from home now. And, you know, all, all that stuff has, has to get shipped to homes. So there was a lot of freight going around, but all the light vehicles, all the four wheelers out there, they weren't on the roads, so what we found was that heavy vehicle, commercial vehicle speeds shot up. Right, they were no longer getting stuck in traffic jams. In fact, what we found was that really in those first kind of three months of everyone you know working from home, commercial vehicle speeds increased thirty percent. That's not necessarily necessarily saying they were going above the speed limit per se. It's just what you know, whatever speeds they were averaging before the pandemic, they were going 30% faster. So that's a pretty big jump. Right. Um, And and what is uh, fascinating is, you know, about a year later people started going back to work, right? People started taking vacations. We all see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're out in our, in our vehicles again. And actually traffic went up. It went up above the baseline that was going on before um, COVID. And, the speeds never came back down, right? So we now are actually having more traffic on the roads and commercial vehicles are still going faster than they were before the pandemic. In fact, it's about um, a 12% increase in in vehicle speeds still, even though there's more traffic on the road. And and that's just creating a lot of potential problems, right? Um, Between that commercial vehicle and other commercial vehicles or light vehicles.
0: Yeah. And a big yeah. pandemic, which has been addressed time and time again. And there's initiatives and days and months and things surrounding distracted driving. Um, and commercial drivers, you'd want to think, you know, are never distracted. That's not the case because the let's like people are easily distracted, whether it's listening to music, talking on a hands free device, hopefully not talking on an actual device with their hand, but a bunch of things. But the four wheelers, you know, I come to a stop sign, look over and it's like, almost every person's on their phone, right? They're they're doing Twitter. Or I don't know what people do at stop signs, but it's like, it's kind of like a plague. And so the increased speeds just create this recipe for disaster. And so I think it, it sheds a little bit of light and insight into why the selection of drivers for these fleets and these trucking companies is so important. Because if they have tickets or prior activity for speeding, speeding through a work zone, right? That's a big deal. Um, you know, hands-free device tickets, um, you know, following too closely or even like running stop signs or failure to yield and that kind of stuff. You know, it's like on the surface, those tickets seem kind of petty, but what are they? Now they're a pre-indicator to what's going to happen, the likelihood that this person could and will crash. And then the severity of it, because there's a lot more congestion on the roads, just those percentages ramp up. And so, those are the things that stood out to me in an easy way that we can, we can relay that back to these company owners is it is important on who you hire. It is important on being selective. It is important on figuring out what does their motor vehicle look record look like and why is that important, right? Why do insurance companies care? You know, this, this goes obviously hand in hand with what you do with what um, insurance companies care about and look at, because the only thing an insurance company can base what they want to do on and and understand your risk is the past, right? And so, yeah, I thought that was cool. And I know distracted driving, I think, was actually one of the slides uh, or one of the topics in your conversation. What did you guys find for the distracted driving? Like what was the big things, like maybe one or two things that stood
1: out? Yeah. Real quick, before we go to that, I wanted to touch on something because you mentioned that driving speeds are still up 12 percent and there's a higher congestion of traffic. Have you noticed an increase of speeding tickets to correlate with those speed, uh, the increase of efficiency that's going on out there? Or is there, uh, is it kind of a unknown how it's happening? Cause that's fascinating to me.
2: Yeah. So this data was, um, we, the, the most recent data we had regarding the speed and traffic was about a year ago august 21 so i can't say whether it's still that way or not i suspect it still is but i don't have the uh, data actually to, mm-hmm. to back that up you know the the speeding tickets is a whole nother player in that game and why we actually i think saw the increase in speed because what we know during covid police officers were not out in force right they were hesitant to actually pull vehicles over whether there was Those were four wheelers or heavy vehicles because they didn't want to have that face to face interaction with people. Right. They were worried about it. Um, So there were less police out visible doing enforcement activities and they were um, giving much fewer speeding tickets than they were pre pandemic. So, you know, that also plays into part uh, why we saw vehicle speeds um, going up.
1: Let the safety culture kind of thing go. And like they're letting you slide for too long. So then it just becomes the norm kind of thing. Exactly. It's like a hiring yep. the wrong drivers that Cam was talking about, which, like he said, is super important. I mean, you know, the culture, we talk about it all day.
2: Yeah. And, and speed's tricky because the vast majority of people, whether they're driving a, a company vehicle or their personal vehicle, they go above the speed limit, right? People go, you know, pretty standard to hear people say, you know, five, you're fine or 10, you're fine, 15, you're mine, right? Um, there's this built-in culture or acceptance in our culture for going above the posted speed limit. Um, but what you see, you know, people do it, but when do they break? When do they slow back down to that posted speed limit? It's it's when they see a cop, right? Sitting, sitting on the side of the road. So they're not following the rules because it's the right thing to do. They're following the rules because they don't want to get caught. Uh, Mm -hmm. and and that's a big problem, especially for, for fleets. And that is something that a fleet can try to address because a fleet can build a safety culture within their organization to help kind of change that acceptance, change that behavior, that mindset of, you know, speeding, is not acceptable going above the speed limit. There's a reason why those speed limits are there. Um, Now that's hard. That's really hard to, to bring that perspective into a fleet safety culture, but it's possible.
0: Well, and I have to imagine, Matt, when you get called in, you're addressing things like the friction of the roadways, the speed, maintenance of the vehicles, because you can you can relay that back to a fleet or the fleet manager and the company owners in terms of um, efficiencies and dollars and profitability and revenues and um, you know workplace a, a co- like a, a safety culture is a good thing because like these drivers want direction and accountability and parameters to work within. They want to feel like they're a part of something that's better than the competition and, and they're actually making an impact and doing something. Um, th- that would be my takeaway from that. Is that kind of what you see when you go on site to these companies? Um, you know, uh, like what are the reasons that they call you, but then what's the result of that? Like, what yeah. do you see? What's some feel good stories that you can actually talk about?
2: Yeah. You know, a lot of times we get called in because like I said before something's happened. Um, you know, some, some crash has gone, you know, occurred in that fleet You know other times we're called in to to talk and and look at fleets information is you know they're just seeing an increasing trend in crashes and and they want another set of eyes to help try to understand what's going on what may be contributing to this increase so you know what we typically do is is, you know we talk to drivers first and foremost because they're on the front lines and, and talking to drivers is really really important to understand you know what's going on behind the wheel what's influencing their decisions to do things because a lot of times carriers have policies that may encourage drivers to do things that are risky right that actually may encourage a driver to speed or to use a handheld device um, while they're driving so you know that's number one it's talking to drivers to figure out what's what's going on and then we just look at all the programs all their policies that they have, um, to try to figure out, you know, are they doing what we know is kind of a best practice? Are there ways that they could improve those things? And a big focus that we take is looking at the behavior of the driver. Because what we know is that driver behavior is by far the leading contributor to crashes now that's not saying you know maintenance isn't an issue that's not saying poor road design is an issue or infrastructure or lighting or weather that's not saying any of all of those things do contribute to crashes right but at the end of the day the driver is the one operating the vehicle and they're making decisions or errors um, whether that's on purpose or not that are the kind of last thing in that chain of events leading to a crash. So driver behavior is one thing that, that we definitely focus on and help fleets better understand when we're trying to help them. Hey, Kim, I can't hear you.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, perfect. Uh, hey, Sometimes like, I make wait, mistakes. Make sure. <laughs> the drivers make mistakes. I make mistakes. We're all human, right? And, yeah, and actually, technology, my, my ability to use this technology failed me, which is actually what I was talking about is technology, I think, comes <laughs> into the conversation um, because now you're getting the introduction and, and it's not like new technologies, but like the lane departure, early crash warnings and, um, you know, all these different things uh, and forwarding and rear facing cameras. And that's like the big thing, right? Is that now you're getting autopilot assist or self-driving vehicles. Uh, I have to imagine that, you know, these fleets are coming to you guys looking at, Hey, talk to us about technologies. Talk to us about what are you seeing from the, the fleets or the carriers that are using and adopting tech? What is the positive? What are the negatives? What are the, what are a couple of the big technologies that you have actually seen make an improvement?
2: Yeah. Technology is huge. And most other than driver behavior technologies, number one thing um, that we focus on. And we've been looking at these safety technologies for a really long time. Um, and what our data shows and what a lot of other people's data shows is that they work. Um, I think the, the biggest ones that can have the biggest impact for fleets are those driver assistance systems. And that's the best way to frame them is that you know all of these technologies designed to help and should be framed as a way to support what the driver is doing behind the wheel these are professional drivers they're you know really good at their job the vast majority of them are safe you know they don't get into many collisions and when they do a lot of the times it's the fault of somebody else right um so these systems are designed to be their backup in case something happens in case you know they're not looking in the right place at the exact right time. Maybe they're looking in their side mirror and somebody cuts them off and slams on their brake right in front of them. You know, that's that's not them doing something wrong, right? But that technology could serve as their backup to help prevent a collision or reduce the severity of a collision. So, you know, the big ones that I think are, are really effective um, are automatic emergency braking. So, so that's, you know, uh, typically is a radar camera system in that truck provides a warning if they're approaching a vehicle too quickly based on the, the heavy vehicle speed and the lead vehicle speed. And if the driver doesn't respond because of whatever, maybe they're not looking, or maybe they are having a medical emergency, right? The truck can actually slow down and brake itself to help prevent that crash. So that, that's number one, lane departure warning. We have a lot of data showing that they are effective. Um, I know a lot of drivers complain about lane departure warning alerts. Um, they can go off quite a bit. I and mean, the truck takes up nearly the entire lane as it is. So it doesn't take much to start approaching that lane line. So lane departure warning alerts go off, but the data over and over supports that they're effective at preventing and reducing crashes. We did a study, a couple years ago, looking at um, heavy vehicles that had lane departure warning and compared them to the number of crashes that vehicles um, were involved in that didn't have lane departure warning, there was about a 48% difference. So trucks with lane departure warnings were involved in about 48% fewer side swipes and run off the road collisions compared to trucks w- without that technology. So that's, that's a huge thing. Um, you know, Other technologies, telematics, is really good. Um, They provide a lot of that data that we can use to help drivers become better. And of course, you know, video-based monitoring systems are are really big and they allow us insight into exactly, you know, what's going on in that truck and that the other vehicles around our truck are doing, which is a huge, huge benefit of that technology is capturing all of these four-wheelers and what they're doing around the truck unsafe, because what our data shows, and other people's data shows is that a lot of the collisions are not actually caused by that truck driver, they're caused by other vehicles on the road, cutting them off, speeding, weaving in and out of traffic tailgating, you know, all of this stuff is leading to a lot of crashes. So these video based technologies are providing a lot of data to help back that driver up in case of a false allegation. They're their friend, right? If you can show that The truck driver is doing what they're supposed to be doing because almost all the time they are, you know, um, that's really powerful.
0: I agree. And I think the fear of the driver that I'm being watched or monitored um, is unwarranted. Nobody has time to sit there and watch you drive for hours upon hours upon hours to, like, figure that out. Really, it comes into play when there's an incident or uh, an event, right, that triggers where it's like, it can be super helpful. I think you alluded to a couple of things is because a lot of the crashes I feel like are caused by other parties, four wheelers or circumstances and things like that, without the actual evidence and the the use of technology to back that up and prove that we're innocent in the event. The insurance companies and whoever else is involved, attorneys in the litigation are subject to the reports, witness reports, if there is any cameras and recordings if there are any. And then based on that, they they put together this uh, theory and it might not go in the truck driver's way. Right. And you know, that's yep. evident with the uh, nuclear verdicts. Right. And so these truck companies, I was just down in Vegas for a deal. Every billboard is an attorney billboard. I, I, almost everyone was. It's like, hey, were you injured by a big rig? Were you in an accident with a big rig? They might as well just have an ATM on wheels. And that's what it looks like going down the road for a lot of these attorneys and a lot of these venues, depending on where it happens. So I think that creates the reason. And this is why it's so important for companies to turn in their claims to the insurance companies immediately to let the insurance companies get ahead, help set that narrative and help defend and not come from behind the eight ball, right? That this this uh, other party already talked to an attorney and created this narrative. And all of a sudden it's your fault somehow when really it's not. Um, and, and let's say this company doesn't have any cameras or technology or anything to back it up. It actually hurts you. It puts you in a deficit out the gate without being able to defend that. And I think you know, there's a, there's rare instances where it, it could hurt you because maybe your driver did make a mistake. And people yep. are human and drivers do make mistakes. Everybody does. Um, but that's just you're just going to have to take the good with the bad, use it as a teaching opportunity. I also heard some powerful things that um, when Matt, when we were down at that event, we actually were there were also there were fleets down there and carriers that were sharing and involved in the conversations where they're like, hey, this actually helped us. And that was actually a moment that we can use to teach our other drivers and positive reinforcement and give accolades like this guy did this, this happened, and this is what the guy did. And it was amazing. And he he, he adverted an accident. And, and, and basically just, you know, he was a professional driver, and they were able to give him kudos for that, and share that with their team members. Right. And I thought that was pretty powerful. Yeah, there's certainly a a right and a wrong a wrong way to
2: implement a driver monitoring system. Um, if your only if your purpose is only to try to catch drivers doing something wrong, that's not that's not how these things are, and that's where all these myths come from, right? Companies that don't necessarily have a good plan of implementing them, and they're just using them for punishment. And really, the purpose of these things are coaching tools, um, using. The data and the video examples to coach drivers and to reward drivers. If you can find cases where your driver is doing everything that they can right, there, you know, maybe they see an event happen in front of them and they have a great response. You know, that's that's what we want. You showcase that. You know, pat that driver on the back. Ask them if you can show it to other drivers as as a kind of a recognition. Yeah, that, that's really good. Um, one other thing you mentioned. Now, even if these camera systems catch or, or find that there's a collision and your driver was distracted or your driver was, you know, just doing something right that caused that collision. Well, you now know that, right? You now can find that out and you can settle that case instead of having it go to court, instead of having this lengthy process, because at the end of the day, You know, you can save yourself money and just take ownership of it because you have the evidence and say, yeah, you know, that that was our fault. Right. We're going to be responsible and we're going to we're going to take care of it. Um, So I've heard a lot of fleets also say that, that, you know, it's really powerful, even if if we are at fault, because, you know, those things happen.
1: It's always a matter of when, not if. Right. So that's why we always have to make sure that we're building this culture and making sure that they're aware and coaching as best as we can. Um, which of the, um, like ELD programs do you find that are um, most accessible to give fleet owners the data on their drivers that they could use to help, you know, coach and reward? Um, are there different, uh, metrics that each one track or, uh, they all kind of, uh,
2: most all of them focus on accelerometer based events. So that would be hard braking, speeding, acceleration, cornering. Um, now there's a whole classification of other technologies that have built in like a machine learning or artificial, artificial intelligence formula that can automatically detect like distraction or like drivers not being buckled up and they can provide alerts to those drivers. Um, we we haven't evaluated those systems, but I think they show a lot of promise because they can provide feedback to that driver in real time so that they the, the driver themselves in the vehicle can say, oh, I need to put my eyes back on the road or I need to put my phone down or I need to put my drink down. Um, if something was happening around that vehicle and the system alerted them that they're putting themselves at risk. Um, I think that that's a really promising feature. And a lot of those types of systems are now going that route and they're starting to roll roll that out in their products. Awesome.
0: Have there been any negative um, or adverse findings on certain technologies, which in your, in your research and studies have shown the opposite effect? It did not help situations.
2: Yeah, so we, we did a study. We've been looking at these technologies for a while. Um, and what we know is that the early generations of them, they definitely had flaws, uh, especially like for collision warning and automatic braking systems. Those first couple of generations had a lot of false alerts and may even have braked the vehicle to a shadow or to an overpass or a bridge abutment that was not in the lane of travel, right? Um, So that definitely hurt acceptance of these types of technologies, um, whether that was from a fleet or from the driver. And what we found out is that, and and we're currently studying this right now in an ongoing project, But everything we're hearing about these new technologies is that a lot of those false activations and false alerts have been addressed um, and and they're performing much better.
0: Yeah, evolution, AI learning. I think Tesla went under fire obviously early on. Any negative event was just Mm -hmm. amplified because people are emotional about this. It's change. it's uh, perceived as a threat to their job and their livelihood. Like, hey, you don't have faith that I can handle this truck. I'm a professional driver. Um, but it's the perception and like the narrative that surrounds that. So I, I definitely can see that. Uh, what are some of the projects and um, research de- like that you guys are working on right now? Like what's a few of the big ones that um, maybe aren't the norm or the common ones that like can give some insight to what VTTI does? Yeah. So I just mentioned one
2: and it's a really awesome study. So what we're known for at VTTI is what's called naturalistic driving research. And that is us essentially putting cameras Sensors and computer systems inside the trucks and having that driver go about their daily operation, doing their normal routes and doing everything they naturally do, except we're collecting data on it. And we have these drivers typically driving that vehicle for, you know, months up to a year at a time. So we're, we're really getting a lot of information about what's happening. So we're doing a naturalistic study right now, looking at the effectiveness of these newer generation technologies. Um, that's currently ongoing. We're, we're about halfway through with data collection. And um, you know, I think that's gonna provide a lot of insight into these newer uh, automated driving assistant systems, ADAS systems. Um, you know, are they working when they're supposed to? Does the blind spot detection help that driver. And we're getting some information from drivers too on what they think about them and, and how, how they like them when they're working, when they're not working. Uh, we're doing another similar study looking at driver fatigue because one one thing we know that, you know, distraction and inattention are, are big contributors to crashes. So one thing that a lot of people don't necessarily think about when when we talk about inattention is driver fatigue. So like distraction causes inattention, but so does fatigue. So does drivers becoming tired. Uh, so we're studying a program we developed um, with Transport Canada and FMCSA a few years ago. It's called the North American Fatigue Management Program. Um, right now we're, we're studying the effectiveness of that program at uh, improving driver's sleep habits and hopefully improving the safety behind the wheel. Uh, So we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, how to, how do carriers use that program? Um, Do they educate their drivers? Do they educate management on driver fatigue? Are they changing their scheduling or routing practices? Are they using in-vehicle technology to help identify and provide feedback on driver fatigue? Uh, so, so those are those are big ones. We have a lot of other projects right now looking at automated driving systems. So that's kind of the future. It's a buzzword. Right. Everyone hears about automated driving. Um, and, and actually what you know, most people say a Tesla is an automated driving vehicle. Right. And there's all these myths out there. And this is actually what happened with all those crashes. The Tesla is actually a driver support vehicle. It can't drive itself, it has to require the driver to keep their hands on the wheel, still monitor the situation. And so all of those crashes, well most of those crashes that have been publicized and get a lot of media attention, the driver's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. The driver is watching a movie or falling asleep or reading a book, right? And that's not how that Tesla system is designed. And the same with trucks, right? Though They're called Level 2 Automated Driving Systems or ADAS systems. Um, they are designed for that driver to still be in the loop, still be actively engaged in the driving task. Um, the the further generations of automated driving actually can allow the driver to maybe even get out of the seat, right? If they get on the interstate, they can activate that system. And maybe they could even go back in the sleeper berth and rest or do some paperwork. Um, so we're doing a lot of different studies looking at these like future generations of automated driving trucks. Uh, so we got some simulator studies where we're looking at how drivers kind of partner with the with these systems and kind of the safety effects uh, of that partnership.
0: And it's super interesting to me. And, and I think you're right, a lot, you can't say all those uh, crashes were uh, directly um, Caused by the driver because they were in control, but there could be medical reasons. There could be reasons outside of them just not paying attention. One of the things that I think that's the argument is, and there's there's been some studies I've I've read and listened to some things on um, airplane crashes where it's autopilot, so the pilot's not engaged, not paying attention to the warnings and the alarms and the signs. Once it gets their attention they're not working through the proper checklist or steps to get back to identify what the actual root cause of the issue or malfunction of the plane is because it's like all of a sudden their brain's back engaged. They weren't paying attention the whole time. And so they're kind of flustered and they have to act quickly. And if they don't do the proper sequence of steps to identify the cause to fix it or correct it, that's what's caused a couple of the big crashes right on, yep. on airplanes. And so that's one thing I had heard is like, Hey, you remove, the driver's attention too far from the task at hand. And then once something does occur and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, you got to take quick action. They're not. Um, uh, and I can't remember the term that they had used. Um, but anyways, like they're, they're just not engaged back in properly. They, they take the wrong steps cause they're yep. flustered.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot we can learn from these different modes of, of transportation, whether that's, um, pilots or even, um, uh, like drone operators. Um, you know, they have, uh, they're monitoring all these systems and how can we keep them engaged? So truck drivers, how can we keep the truck drivers engaged and ready when needed um, to to take over or respond to to any any malfunction of the systems? Because malfunctions can happen, right? Some of those crashes probably are the result of, you know, things with sensors going wrong or sensors getting covered up or dirty. Um, So, you know, we need to have the drivers ready to take over if needed
0: yeah and i think it's training too right the proper training and education on the technologies and sensors and so i mean thomas was air traffic control so i'm guessing you had a first-hand view at the training and the the steps they take right thomas
1: uh not too much on the pilot side um but we were trained with very many redundancies to make sure we knew where things were going to go um one of the biggest things that we did back then or they still do today is that they they build the culture of compliance with certain regulations and agreements between like say neighboring facilities. So like say for example, you know, you got airport A and then airport B, and then they both have crossing traffic that's both gonna be going up. When they get to a certain point, if no one's talking to them, they're almost always going to hit. So what happens is is each facility builds in a safety net before the person even takes off the ground, like we just have an agreement. This guy's going to stop here. This guy's going to stop here. We get control. And then we make the move with our assistance. So the, the p- pilots are going on a road in the airway from fix to fix, like turning down an interstate. They're instructed on where to go by us, but it's still ultimately up to the pilot to control the plane and do what they need to do in the event of emergency. Like, you know, you're talking about. Um, but one thing I do uh, really like about Kind of, we're talking about this, uh, assisted driving systems is that even planes have this thing called the TCAS and it's a, t- uh, a traffic collision alert system that's installed on all of the, the, um, the airliners, basically not the small planes, but, um, so basically these machines talk to each other kind of like that system that automatically breaks. They're looking at transponder codes and saying they're moving at the same altitude. They're going too fast. So one tells one to go up and the other one tells the other one to go down so they can move away from each other without. Both of them panicking, you know, and going up together, and still colliding, trying to avoid the situation. And that goes back to the same kind of training that you're talking about, and how to adapt the the safety um, systems that are built around us to assist us to do better with our jobs, to be more safe. So it's it's pretty complex, but definitely uh, something that's important. I mean, flying in a plane is some of the safest form of travel. Because of all the safety yeah. that's mandated by so many regulations, government organizations, uh, private organizations. I mean, people, <laughs> we're not going to take, you know, planes and we'll kill an industry if they start having more crashes because we won't have to trust it. So, um, yeah. you know, all that just is very, very important.
0: Well, I think technology is good. It's just understanding it, which is what mm-hmm. like the beauty of VTTI does is like you know they're they're giving the data they're showing what's happening they're they're like uh, squashing the 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 myth of hey th- this yes we had issues early on yes they get unnecessary uh, publicity and if it's negative people love to blow up negative publicity especially if it's threatening or a perceived Mm -hmm. threat of like a way of life. Right. And so people just blow it up and, you know, it it all goes hand in hand and you had talked about the fatigue driving um, deal there. You know, my mind goes to like, are these fleets taking the time to educate their drivers on fitness and eating and how to eat on the road? And like, cause that all is affected by the uh, caffeine intake with the amount of sleep they're taking, what medications like, you know, it's, you know my mind goes to all those places do you have anything and in that study does it factor um driver fitness and like eating habits and that kind of stuff
2: yeah so part of the north american fatigue management program it's actually you know any, anyone can go look it up it's nafmp.org um but part of it are f- uh educational modules right so some of those modules are powerpoint based um are targeting the driver so a driver can learn about fatigue what causes fatigue one of which is their health what they Mm -hmm. eat when they're sleeping the caffeine all of that has huge huge implications on when they get tired so absolutely that's that's built into some of this education stuff um some of the other modules are looking at management so you know, providing education to management. Other ones are actually looking at the shippers and receivers to show mm-hmm. how they're contributing to drivers, um, uh, potentially getting tired. Um, another module is looking at the driver's family because that's a huge part. When a driver comes back home after being gone all week and you know, they have all these you know family obligations or other chores that need to happen. You know, the driver's family can help support that driver, getting that restorative sleep. Um, so that they can be prepared and safe when they hit the road again in a couple of days. Um, So, you know, there's all this information, you know, in that study, we are uh, collecting data on caffeine intake in particular. So we are asking them, you know, what type of um, and when they... Use caffeine if they do at all. Um, we're getting information on when they're sleeping, how long they're sleeping. Um, we're getting information about their drive because stress, a, a stressful drive, is going to be more likely potentially to cause a driver to become fatigued, mentally fatigued. So yeah, we're we're collecting a, re- a ton, a ton of data with that project.
0: Where where can everyone? find the data that you guys are collecting and where can they benefit from what you guys provide the industry and how can people help because i know that money and donations are going to be welcomed obviously in any initiative like this um share share with us where we can find out more yeah so a
2: lot of the data that is from federal projects is published after after we finish it up you know you know so that's the good thing. The other, the bad thing though, is it usually take a long time <laughs> to, to conduct <laughs> yeah. the studies and to finally get the data out. Um, but you know, a lot of data we have, they're public information. We publish uh, the reports and the data themselves. So the fatigue project, you know, that's not going to be over for another year and a half or so after we collect it and do the uh, do the analyses. And same for the um, technology. But we have a lot of information published on our website. It's vtti.vt.edu. Um, so you can access the like public reports there. Um, if people are interested in participating, because that's that's the big way that that we need help is companies to actually help us in their research because without the drivers and the fleets themselves or the insurance providers or the different association and the groups, without their help, we're not gonna get the data because you know the fleets. Are the ones out there every day the drivers are the ones out there every day and we need them to help us get the accurate the right data um and then of course you know funding certainly we we uh we like all the funding um we are a soft funded institution so pretty much every hour of my day has to be accounted for through research um money um so certainly if anyone has has an idea or a need for a project you can reach out to me um or other people at the Virginia Tech Transportation and Student, we certainly, we do that all the time. We talk to different companies um, about their research needs, and we help them develop a, a statement of work and um, go through that process with them.
0: And what's your contact info or the best way, email or LinkedIn? I know LinkedIn, you participate in a little bit, but share yeah, with them. Yeah, LinkedIn certainly uh, is a
2: way to get in contact with me. Email is another way. It's M um, Camden. So M-C-A-M-D-E-N at V-T-T-I dot V-T dot E-D-U.
0: Awesome. And then also the folks that want to participate and get you guys on site. I know you said, you know, one of the indicators or like triggers to that event is like a negative thing. But like, let's hope that a lot of our listeners are proactive or at least we're yeah. turning wheels and it's like, you know, I, I see the value in what you're doing. Same same path, right? Just email you, get in touch with you, see if it's a good fit or candidate to get you guys on site.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Email me and then if it's not me, it's one of my colleagues, I can pass it off and we can get you guys connected.
0: Man, that's awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, anything else you want to share? Anything else on the horizon or something that you're excited about, Matt?
2: Yeah, you know, one thing that we haven't talked about, but it's really important, um, to mention is that, you know, safety, it's hard. There's a lot of factors that go in into keeping vehicles safe and, and to prevent crashes. You know, what we've found is that the carriers who are successful at preventing crashes, you know, they're not just doing one thing. They're not just buying a vehicle with X, Y, and Z technology on that. They're doing a bunch of stuff. They're finding the right drivers, which is hard, but they're doing it. They're buying safe vehicles. They're building that safety culture. They're training their drivers. They're training their their mechanics to keep the vehicle safe. So it's not just one thing out there that's a magic bullet to preventing crashes. It's, it's a lot of little things over time um, to help keep your drivers and your vehicles safe.
0: I feel like that's the billboard slogan right there. Yeah, right? One little yeah. thing at a time, just keep going. Yep, Absolutely.
2: Better. Yep. And don't get yeah. discouraged if you don't see, you know, results right away, you know, changing behavior, changing attitudes, preventing crashes. It takes a lot of work. It's not yeah. easy, but it's possible. Yeah. Um, and, and just keep at it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Matt, I, uh, I know you're busy. Uh, we so much appreciate your time. I think what you guys, uh, over there at BTTI do is valuable. Um, you guys are definitely help the industry. You're for the industry. Um, I, I, recognize that i know our folks will thomas thank you for joining us matt thank you very much so uh we ever, listeners we appreciate you you'll find this on all the major um old podcast providers spotify apple stitcher i don't even know what's out there youtube we got a facebook <laughs> group get a load of this trucking so find us on facebook you can follow us on linkedin um go to the website to find matt email matt uh our contact for thomas and i is on get a load of this um, podcast.com or valley dot So as always stay safe. We appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you.